If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, for the Big Fight Reaction episode. And today's episode is a flying solo episode. Johnston is unfortunately unavailable because he has had a very busy weekend and he's been watching his football team, Millwall Football Club, seemingly looked like he was on the verge of promotion to the English Premier League and it was taken away from them and it was a hell of a night for Johnston and I got a message this morning as I'm recording this today and he's like nope there's not a chance I'm going to be able to do the podcast today so guys you're stuck with just me for this episode but I wanted to bring my thoughts and feelings and opinions on the reaction to Canelo Alvarez versus John Ryder from the weekend and of course we want to talk about Joshua Boazzi's fight and some of the fights on that card too. But the focus for me is about the Alvarez Ryder fight. And I enjoyed watching that fight back on the Sunday morning. And I felt like Ryder did himself a great deal of justice. And I feel like even though we were talking about he could retire after this fight in the preview, I feel like actually what he's shown there is, you know, there's a lot left in him to be able to compete at this level. Could he be a world champion one day? That is the question that you start to ask yourself based on him holding it with Canelo at times. Yes, okay, he got knocked down in the fifth and he was hurt, but he gave Canelo his all. He gave Canelo a tough fight. Canelo's actually said he is the toughest British fighter that he's fought. And that's like the 7th or 8th British fighter that he's fought now. And he's saying Ryder is the toughest one he's fought. Is that testament to what Ryder was able to do in there against Canelo or is that because Canelo isn't as good as what he was when he faced those other guys again it's a debatable question some feel 
in the aftermath of watching this fight that Canelo Alvarez is definitely not the same fighter he once was. And let's be honest, he's getting older, so he's never going to be the same fighter he once was. We always look at Canelo and think, do you know, he he's, he's once was the top of the mountain, he once was the face of boxing. He still is, he still is, but he's fast being approached by many other fighters at the moment. But what it proved to me is that he still draws a huge, huge crowd and a Canelo fight week was just as big as a Mayweather fight week. So for me, yes, he's still the face of boxing. Looking at his performance in the ring on the night, there were elements of his performance where I felt like he was a little bit slower and ponderous than what he usually is. Was he doing that on purpose? Was he taking a backward step at times on purpose because he felt like he could do? Or is it just him genuinely getting older? I mean, he's only 32, but he's been boxing a long time. And this is what I was talking about in the preview was, you know, how many miles has he really got on the clock now? He's been boxing since 15. So he's been boxing half of his life, essentially, which is crazy to even think about. But he is a fighter at this stage of his career where you're going to start to ask that question. Is he showing signs of wear and tear? Is he showing signs of decline? I think there is a slight sign of decline within him but that's only because he's getting older and he's obviously adapting his style and at times he's doing what he needs to do in the ring and he's he's, he's a very intelligent fighter this is the one thing Johnston's always said and, and I've agreed on he's a very intelligent fighter so if he doesn't need to put himself 110% into it at times during the fight then he's not gonna because he's clever enough to know what he needs to do and that's, that's testament to, to what he's done throughout his career and the experience he's got. In this fight with Ryder, what he's shown to me was that he still has the ability in this division, in the super middleweight division, to figure out his opponents, whether they be younger or not, whether they be a Benavidez, whether they be a David Morrell, whoever that may be who may face him in the super middleweight division next. I think Canelo still got that ring IQ and that level that he can make these fights seemingly less difficult for him than what we think they're going to be. And I think that's that's what I've taken away from watching the Ryder fight. I mean, looking at the cards, he, he was he was giving it heavily on the cards, 120-107, 118-109, and 118-109. So practically, in the judges' eyes, he dominated the whole fight. Although, when you look back at the fight, it was competitive because I think Ryder gave it everything he had to give in that fight and all it proved to me about Ryder again as I said earlier was that Ryder can hang it still at world level and that actually there's an opportunity for Ryder if he does stick around for another 12 to 18 months that there's a possibility he may get another opportunity at a world title but there are so many other guys now that are coming through in the super middleweight division he's gonna have to take on one of those other guys like the Morels or the Benavideses of the world to be able to push himself right back up to the top again I'm not sure if he'll get that opportunity but I'd like to see it for him if he doesn't retire but as Johnston was rightly saying and I agreed he doesn't need to fight on like he's surely he must have got a good payday from this fight you would have thought so going to Mexico and fighting Canelo Canelo brings in hundreds of millions and I don't know the exact figures but when you see the reported figures about what he brings in from ticket sales, TV revenues, everything that comes along with a Canelo fight week, he makes a hell of a lot of money out of it. So, surely Ryder's got a decent 
amount, even if he only got like five to ten percent of everything in this contract, he's still ten percent of millions. He's still really, really good for a fighter like John Ryder, who's looking to secure his financial future. I think he's going to come again. I heard Tony Sim say he can come again. I've read Tony Sim saying he can come again. So, yeah, absolutely. Would I see him back in the ring? Of course I would. I think he's got the ability to still hang it with the best in the super middleweight division. Not saying he, he could beat a Benavides or a Morel, but he could certainly hang it in there with them and get himself even more great paydays and still fight for an opportunity to be a world champion again. I just wouldn't want to see him stepping down now, stepping down and fighting young and hungry domestic level fighters, British fighters that are on the way up in the super middleweight division. I wouldn't want to see him do that because I think he's had that career where he's had to fight his way up to this position. So now he's at this position and he's got the reputation and the respect from this fight with Canelo. I'd want to see him with a with a bigger name again. I wouldn't want to see him stepping down again because that just defeats the object of putting yourself into the position in this in this part of your career. Like you know, you could think of some of the names there where John Ryder could fight them. Okay, if he doesn't get a Benavidez or he doesn't get a Morel, you know, there's an opportunity. Maybe Demetrius Andrade will fight him. You know, he's fought Liam Williams before. He's fought British fighters. So why not? You know, you've got the opportunity to fight Caleb Plant. He's looking for a comeback. Now, after his loss, he's going to want to fight. So Caleb Plant will probably fight him as well. So you've got guys like that. You've even got John Ryder versus Edgar Belanga, which I think could be a cracking fight. I really do think that would be a really good fight for for both of them because they both got that style where it would give us a, an entertaining fight so there's there's opportunities there for John Ryder but for Canelo now he wants Bivol again he wants Bivol he wants it on the same terms he, he wants to try and avenge that loss and I'm just for me personally if he wants to cement that legacy that people are questioning because I've seen some people questioning the Canelo legacy this weekend if he wants to cement his legacy, he'd have to beat Bivol, 100%. He'd have to go in and avenge that loss. If he's going up to light heavyweight again to do it, I wouldn't be confident he could do it. I'd like to see him try, because that is Canelo, you know. It's a Canelo fight week with Bivol, which will be an even greater fight week, because there'll be more needle with that, because of the fact Bivol's already beat him. So, Canelo, Bivol too, at light heavyweight, We'd all go for Bivol, let's be honest. We'd all pick Bivol in this fight because Bivol shown us that he was much bigger, much more effective and that he was too much for Canelo in the light heavyweight division. I wouldn't want to see Bivol coming down and fighting for all the super middleweight titles because can Bivol do that now? Can he do it comfortably enough? I wouldn't want to see him risking his reputation and everything he's built up for the sake of that one fight. Although people might say, well, well, if he can do that, then Bivol's reputation goes even higher. And he becomes an undisputed super middleweight champion as well as a, a light heavyweight champion. So there's arguments for both sides. Personally, I wouldn't want to see it. I wouldn't want to see Bivol come down. I'd want to see Canelo go back up again and try and avenge his loss. Because I think if you're looking at in terms of legacies, Canelo is the one that is going to want to solidify it by moving back up and showing that he can beat Bivol in his own weight. So that that's to me that's more there's more value in that for me personally. But you guys might not agree. You might think Bivol coming down and beating Canelo at super middleweight would actually be more of a feat. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that one. I, I I'd stick with my sort of Canelo going up to light heavyweight and fighting Bivol would be more of a fight that I'd want to see than the other. So 
yeah, he was great. I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a great fight, and it was all action. It gave me everything I wanted from a fight. And to be honest with you, it also showed me again and proved me wrong and Johnston that actually John Ryder's got more heart and determination than what we give him credit for. And it's not that I didn't think he had it at all, but I just thought Canelo would get to him and systematically break him down. I know he put him down in round five and he bloodied him. And by the end of the fight, you know, it was... You could see who had been in a tougher fight than the other. It was quite evident. But I think for John Ryder, he had all that heart and determination to get through the fight. Round nine was brilliant. Round nine was fantastic. One of the rounds of the year, absolutely, so far. We're in May now. It's, it's, it's already up there as a round of the year. And one of the best rounds I've seen recently. So I was happy watching that at that point. And I was thinking, on the edge of your seat, you're thinking, bloody hell, you know, if Ryder clocks him with one ear, he could put Canelo down and... You know, he could shift the complete complexion of the last four rounds of the fight. But, you know, he wasn't able to, but he certainly gave it a good go. So it was good. It was enjoyable. It was an enjoyable fight to watch. And, and, and I was happy to see Ryder still standing on his feet at the end of it and getting all the plaudits and the respect from people, even though it was, you know, a losing performance. He comes out of it in a winning situation because he comes out of it with much more respect. So when I go back to the conversation about Ryder's next fights, other fighters and teams and management and promoters are going to look at it and think, you know, he's a good, entertaining fighter. I want my guy to, to prove it can do better than what Canelo did against him. So I'll stick my guy in with him. So you can see the logic behind why promoters would want to pick a fighter like John Ryder because he's, he's going to bring an exciting style. So if you want Benavides to push even further for a fight with Canelo in the super middleweight division, you bring John Ryder over. And if Benavides can dispatch of him, and bearing in mind John Ryder hasn't been stopped for about seven or eight years, if he could do that Benavides, then it gives more weight to the argument, doesn't it, about the Benavides-Canelo fight. So for me, yeah, it's exciting. I genuinely think it's an exciting time in the super middleweight division. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the course of the next two years shapes out with the likes of Edgar Belanga and David Morrell, David Benavides, and obviously John Ryder mixing it in there. Will Demetrius Andrade ever fight? That's the other question. Will he ever fight anybody, you know, at the top level? When will we get to see him in this super middleweight division actually putting on a performance? You know, there's there's so many variables to, to what's going to happen over the course of the next two years. And, and we just don't know either. That's, that's the bad thing about boxing is we just don't know what could actually crop up as well. So we'll get to see it. I'm sure we'll get to see the, the fights eventually that we want to see. But it's just going to take, again, time, which is which is a shame. But ultimately, I enjoyed it. Most people seem to enjoy it. Most people have the thoughts, feelings, and opinions on where they think Canelo's at, if you think he's on the slide. I'm interested to know what everybody else thinks. I've seen different people on Twitter and Facebook saying, oh, Canelo, you know, he's not cemented his legacy. He's never going to be Julio Cesar Chavez as the best Mexican fighter ever. And, you know, I've seen all different comments like that, and I've seen all different debates going on this weekend but at the moment I think he's on course for for solidifying that legacy I think some like I said regarding the Bivol fight if he was to do that and then pick up that win how could you not put him in there with the shout for being the best Mexican fighter ever he's definitely up there definitely up there even now he's definitely up there and I could sit and have this debate with anybody who's intelligent enough about the sport of boxing to to throw some figures and stats at me and, and let's, let's determine sort of who is the best Mexican fighter ever. I mean, this is something we 
could probably do as an episode me and johnston we could sit there and do the greatest mexican fighters ever and, and maybe come to our conclusion on that that'd be certainly something we'd be interested in doing because it'd certainly bring out a a great debate like it would over social media so that was the canelo fight enjoyable good performance from canelo good performance from Ryder, albeit a losing one certainly comes away with his stock risen ready for another fight in the future and then we just talk about what's next for canelo he wants bivol next so let's see let's see whether or not he goes back up to light heavyweight and avenges that loss because that's what he needs to do that is certainly what i think he needs to do to be able to start cementing that legacy even greater why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So on the rest of the card then, if you guys watched it or if you didn't, there was a few fights that I did say, try and tune into. One of them was Julio Cesar Martinez versus Ronald Batista. Martinez getting the TKO in the 11th round. Then there was controversy on this card as Gabriel Valenzuela beat Steve Spark by split decision. And this was a controversial decision. If you did watch this fight, please let me know what you think, because this this was, for me, a fight where I thought the Australian Steve Spark won the fight. The judges scored it 96-93 to Valenzuela. We had 95-94 to Valenzuela, but then 95-94 to Spark over Valenzuela. For me, I thought Spark won it. I thought it, it was close. It was a close fight, close competitive fight over 10 rounds, but I personally thought Spark just edged the fight. What do you guys think? Let me know. Drop me a tweet at BTR Boxing Pod. Let me know what you think about that. I thought it was really close, but I thought Spark should have got the nod on this one. And then we had Alexander Gurdvik getting a TKO in six rounds over Ricard Bolotniks. Another fight that I said tune into. Alexander Gerdvik, is he back? That's the question. You know, he's been out for a few years. He's 36 years of age. Can he get a big fight in the light heavyweight division? The biggest fight he had was, of course, against Paterbiev and then the Adonis Stevenson fight in late 2018. Can he get another big fight? Maybe a Dimitri Bivol fight is something he's also aiming for in the light heavyweight division. Be interested to see what he can offer now at this top level. But he beat Ricard Bolotniks, which I thought was a good win for him, really, because Ricard Bolotniks has 
has gained a little bit of momentum over the past few years. Even though he's lost uh, Joshua Barazzi in 2021, you know, he, he had that golden contract tournament where he beat Stephen Ward, Hosea Burton. You know, th these were moments for him where he started to push himself out there in the light heavyweight division as, as a difficult opponent. And he is a difficult opponent. And, you know, Gerdvik got rid of him. And, and that was a statement to me. I, I, I was impressed with that. And I think Gerdvik still got a little bit to offer now in this light heavyweight division. So that was the card in Mexico under zone pay-per-view. Let's move over to the UK. Let's talk about the boxer card. Joshua Bowatsi's fight. Where do we start with this one? Where do we start? I'm laughing because this was this was a fight which was underwhelming for me personally. I'm pretty sure many people feel the same about it, which is just which is a shame really, because you know, we want we want Boatsi to to be pushing himself now at this point. I know he's had the problems with the promotion and coming away from Matchroom and Eddie Hearn and moving over to Ben Shalom and Boxer and being out of the ring because of all this stuff. I know these issues have happened and I know it's it's created a little bit of a delay in his career. But where was he going with Matchroom? Let's be honest, this was the other thing. Where was he actually going? Because he didn't seem like he was going anywhere. He was he was like the Dire Straits song. He was on the road to nowhere. He literally was going nowhere. This fight, yes, this was against a guy who had a padded record. Yes, this was a guy who, who'd fought all of his career in his native country, but he was a guy who came and he was a guy who, who tried and he was a guy who took him rounds. And to be honest, whilst it was boring in parts, whilst it wasn't entertaining in parts and wasn't exciting, it was the rounds that Boatsy needed. It was the rounds that he desperately needed because if he is going to launch an assault in this light heavyweight division, he needs to be getting those rounds in. If he would have gone in there and blew out Stepien in two, three rounds. Yes, we would have been loving it, but then as a boxer himself, as someone then who's been inactive for 12 months prior to that, is he happy with that? Is he really happy? Does, do, he needs rounds, and that's what he got. And I think if, if you're in the Boazzi camp, you're going to want him to have rounds. He's been out for 12 months, and ring rust is a thing. Ring rust is absolutely 100% a thing. The thing is, when you're training in the gym, you can train and condition yourself to, to, to fight at a certain level. You can go 12 to 15, three-minute rounds in the gym and have no problem in a sparring session because it's a sparring session. Most sparring sessions don't replicate the fights. You're working on technical things inside of the ring. You're taking time to, to own your craft. You're not essentially going in there and trying to overly compete with the other person. Obviously, there are sparring sessions that can get really heated and become a lot more competitive but you're not doing that inspiring so when you get in the ring and you're actually there against the guy who's trying to win against you who's doesn't care about whether he injures you or not doesn't really care about what he has to do to get that victory that becomes a completely different way of being conditioned for a fight so when you talk about Boatsy blowing Stepien away and not doing that and, and it looking a little bit boring at times I can understand the frustration because as a, as a boxing fan, first and foremost, it is frustrating. You want to see him get the result. You want to see him put this guy away. But he needed the rounds. It's as simple as that for me. He needed them rounds. Now, this is this is what he needed to move himself forward in his career. He needs a big fight. He really does need a big fight. For me now, you know, you look at the rankings in the light heavyweight division and you look at the guys that are around that top 10. People like Anthony Yard and Dan Aziz are ahead 
of Joshua Barazzi now in his career. Dan Aziz in particular, I think has made great strides and I can't blow that guy's trumpet enough because I've, I've seen him come from nothing. I've seen him come from the small hole shows. He's worked his way right up now to being around the names like the Gerdvicks and the Gilberto Ramirez's and the Joe Smith Juniors, Callum Smith and Paterbiev, obviously waiting for that to be completely announced fully. And then you've got Bivol as well. So, you know, where else does a Buatzi go now? Like, the domestic fights, you talk about not wanting to see fighters fight domestic fighters at that level, but Aziz and Yard are more than that level now. They're not just British fighters anymore. They're British world-level contenders. I mean, even Aziz, Aziz has not fought a a champion, so to speak. You know, I mean, he's fought Rocky Fielding, but he was in super middleweight division. Let's be honest, he was at the end of his career. But look at where Aziz is at now. You know, he's the European light heavyweight champion. He got that great victory in March this year. He's, con- he's consistently just performed. Sometimes he's not looked as great, but he's got the victories. He's got the record. And although it's not all about the record, he, he has got an unbeaten record. And he- nobody's beat him yet. And he's 33. He needs a big fight. But that's his 30. Barazzi's the one that came out of the Olympics in 2016. Barazzi's the one with all the promise. Barazzi's the one that should be a world, probably world champion by now. And yet, the biggest fights really on, on his resume, if you look back through his career, are probably Craig Richards and Ricard Bolotniks. If you want to say Marco Antonio Perryban in 2019. But again, he was a super middleweight, moved up to light heavyweight. So for me, he's only really got these two names now. So he needs a fight. He, he needs a fight domestically. Now, the fight that was touted a year or so ago, was the Anthony Yard fight. At this point of both of their careers, it would make sense now for them to get it on because of the fact that you've got Joshua Boazzi needs to fight somebody who has fought, uh, I've been in with a world champion, and who perfectly to do that now than Anthony Yard, who's been in with two separate world champions. He's been in with Kovalev in the light heavyweight division. Now he's been in with Paterbiev. Uh, and, and he put on a valiant performance against Baterbiev in January. So Yad Buatsi now makes more sense than it did last year at this stage. So I wouldn't be disappointed if that fight was announced now because this is the fight that both of these guys, I think, need. Like Yad needs to come back. He wants to an- get another assault on a world title. So he needs to beat somebody. He needs to beat somebody with a name. He could fight Joe Smith Jr. He could fight Ramirez. He could fight Gerdvik. And it's the same for Boaz. The, you know, these the guys could fight any of those names. Let's be honest, at the top of the top of the chain, Bivol's probably going to fight Canelo. He may take another fight before Canelo. He may end up fighting Gerdvik. But let's see, theoretically, he cancels out because of the Canelo fight. Paterbiev looks like he's fighting Smith. So that's Callum Smith out of the equation. So you've got Joe Smith Jr., Gilberto Ramirez, Alexander Gerdvik who are regarded higher than Joshua Boatze. So, you know, they're, they're the sort of guys maybe that you could think he could get in the ring with and get, get the victory against and get a name on his resume that, that is much needed. Or if you look a bit further down the rankings, you've got the likes of Jean Pascal. Would Jean Pascal be a good name on the record of Joshua Boatze? Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly, he wasn't that long ago. You know, he was a champion in the light heavyweight division. Okay, it's, what, four years ago, but still, you know, he's he's still a name. There's that possibility. It's not one I want, but it's one I kind of expect. Like, the negative side of me thinks, 
we what what I want and what I'll get are going to be two different things. I want to see him in a bigger name fight, but then I think John Pascal at this stage of his career would give a good scalp on his record. People will complain, yes, he's passed it, but it'll give him a name on his record ahead of an assault on a world title. Personally, I'd want to see him fight maybe a Joe Smith Jr. in America and start building up his you know, notoriety again. That's what I'd want to see for Buatse. Something needs to happen going forward now. He's had the return to the ring. He's had the chance to shake off the ring rust. And he did it. And it wasn't a great fight to watch. But he got the 10 rounds in. And he needed it. Simple as that. So let's see what happens for Buatse next. On the rest of this card then. Some entertaining fights. I thought Sean McComb, Casey Benjamin was a very entertaining fight. Lauren Price, Kirsty Bavington. I-, I thought it was okay in parts. Uh, Lauren Price expectedly came through and, and won the first ever female British title. She's now the British welterweight champion. She's certainly on track to going that way to potentially becoming a world champion. It was it was good. It was good to see her win, get the win. Tyler Denny, Macaulay McGowan was an entertaining fight. Split decision for Tyler Denny. Some say Macaulay McGowan should have got that nod. And I like Macaulay. I've interviewed him. I've met him personally. I'm not so sure he should have got the decision, what people are saying he should have got, but the right man won for me on the night, which was Tyler Denny. And then if you did watch any of the undercard, you could see Ben Whitaker, which I thought was quite entertaining to watch. Um, Chris, who comes on the show, Chris Wardrobe, you know, he's uh, he sat and spoke with Ben a lot and had some good conversations and says how much of a nice guy he is outside of the ring. And I can imagine it. I've not met him personally yet myself, but I can imagine it. But in the ring... He's a completely different persona and character. Some people hate it, but I think boxing needs it again. I really do. I think we're missing characters like him. I love to hate character. We're missing it. And I think he's going to certainly provide us some entertaining nights. I just hope that he can live up to the expectation because we've seen guys like this before. Guys that can showboat, guys that can be flash and confidence slash arrogance but then not give us what we want in the big fights that matter. So let's see where it goes for him. I'm looking forward to seeing his career progress. I am. Jacob Pitters returned with a win over Joe McIntyre. Corey Gibbs avenged his loss over Jimmy First as well. So if you watched any of them fights, well, they were all right, weren't they? He wasn't too bad of a card. I don't know what you guys thought about the card in general, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Satisfied, probably the word I'd like to use, because... Sometimes I'm very critical of the cards because they are very much prospect versus journeyman and some of the fights were, but actually this was a really well-matched card. In my personal opinion, I don't know what other people think, other journalists, other boxing YouTube channels. If you feel the same, shout out and let me know. If you don't feel the same, shout out and let me know. Either way, I think it was a good good card. It was well-matched anyway, in my opinion. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed the weekend. I enjoyed the boxing. It was... Uh, it was really good. You know, it was a really good weekend uh, for, for, for excitement in terms of some of the fights. And, you know, the, the Canelo fight being the, the cherry on the cake, really, for, for all of us watching this weekend. It was it was great. But for me, now, it's, it's all about moving forward to the rest of the month because there's some great fights coming up. In the next couple of weeks, we've got some absolutely fantastic cards and fantastic names in the ring. And I'm looking forward to getting back on and doing the previews for him for you guys and talking about some of these fights with Johnston or maybe we'll get Chris back on possibly and 
we do some stuff with Chris and, you know, we could come on and do an episode on one of the previews or the reactions. It's also great to get Chris or even Jamie. You know, there's some great guys that are within this sport in some capacity that I've got some great knowledge and some great opinions on on how some of these fighters go and, and some of these fights go. So for this episode, that is it for me. I'd love to hear from you. It's uh, difficult doing a flying solo episode. I'm not used to it. I'm always used to having a counterpart to bounce off and talk about some of the fights with. But for this occasion, it's just me. So I'm going to take the last couple of moments of the show just to say what I always say, which is thank you for supporting BTR Boxing Podcast Network. Thank you for doing the necessaries by sharing and subscribing, liking, retweeting, doing whatever you do. Whether it's messaging on Instagram, big shout out to Martin Mulligan who always messages and sends me really great clips on Instagram. Anybody that supports this podcast, you are a friend of mine now because you are helping us continue to grow. We've been around for nearly six years now. Six years in, I think it was September, October, I started in 2017 just doing local interviews with fighters and it's progressed to the level it's at. So I'm always very appreciative and humble about where we came from and where we're at at the moment. And this is why we have all the other shows that we do, because we enjoy branching out and doing the different genres of boxing. So if you haven't heard any of the other episodes that we do, we have our Career Profiles podcast, which is biographies of fighters. We have Legendary Nights, which is telling the tale of some of the greatest nights in boxing history. And then we have The Darker Side of Boxing, which is our baby. We love The Darker Side of Boxing. True crime-based boxing podcast. What can be better than listening to some of those most infamous stories in this sport and stories that some guys have you've never even heard them and we love bringing them stories to you so please if you haven't already checked out some of our other content please do go and check it subscribe to it like it share it find it on social media if you type it in each podcast has its own twitter account facebook is btr boxing podcast network instagram is the same youtube is the same tiktok is the same please just subscribe to us wherever we're at and just support us and like and share and help us with the engagement aspect of everything because it is difficult. It is difficult trying to run all of them accounts and trying to put content out on them all the time and trying to make sure that you guys get to see and hear all this different content that we've got. So all I'm asking you guys to do is just make sure you share and like and retweet and do the necessaries because it genuinely helps us. It genuinely lets other people see and hear what we're doing on a regular basis and that's very important because we know we've got some great content out there we just need other people to start branching out and listening to it and we need other people to be exposed to it and there's only so much we can physically do because we don't have budgets to be able to put ads on facebook or twitter and promote that sort of stuff so if you've got an opportunity to just press the like and retweet button do it the like and share button do it please because it really really does help us comment tell people about the podcast tell people about some of the other podcasts that we do and and let them know what's out there because we know and we're confident that there is a lot of great content there that people are going to really enjoy if you're a boxing fan and that is it for this episode i just want to give a big shout out finally to the patrons of the podcast thank you very much for supporting us and if you're not a patron please check us out at patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast on there you can get access to patron only content which is episodes we've recorded over the past couple of years which we've not released to the general public you can get our boxing through the decades patron only series as well please go and check that out if you want 
ad-free versions of the episodes and you want early access to the series-based content, that's the place to go. From as little as £1.50 per month, you can get that. So please do go and check us out. That is it for this episode, Fight Fans. Thank you so much for listening to BTR Boxing Podcast Network, The Big Fight Reaction. Podcast Network.